It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. This entire episode was recorded at the Red Carpet event uh, for Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, it's a series that's over on FX. You can also watch it on Hulu. It comes out uh, on the 28th of April and uh, then comes out subsequent weeks. You'll be able to catch the episodes and ultimately be able to watch it all by the middle of the year 2022. Uh, I'm able to speak with several people uh, during this Red Carpet event. A huge shout out to my friend Lindsay Hanson-Park. I don't know why I just stuttered her name. It got stuck in my mouth. Uh, Lindsay Hanson-Park, who made it possible for me to be able to uh, be there at the red carpet event because of the work that we do here at the Cultural Hall. If you've never heard of the Cultural Hall and you happen to be finding us because of this particular episode, uh, welcome to it. We are the most... uh, what's the word prolific we have produced the most episodes uh of a show available in podcast form that is uh affirming that is positive for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints in the entire world more than the church itself uh we have had more episodes so i encourage you to get into our back catalog Uh, become a Patreon saint if you are interested. Now, in this particular episode, I'm going to cue this up right here and then just roll the interviews back to back to back. Uh, The first person that we talked to is Troy Williams from Equality, Utah, a good friend of mine and able to chat with him consulting on uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. Then we visit with Lindsay Hanson-Park. She also brought in to consult on some of the historical elements, and we talk about her um, involvement with it. Then we talk with Tyner Rushing, who plays Emma Smith. Yeah, there's a historical element of uh, Under the Banner of Heaven that maybe people don't recognize. Um, Then we visit with uh, Dustin Lance Black, Academy Award winner Dustin Lance Black. Uh, Then we talk with Sam Worthington, who plays Ron Lafferty. And then finally, uh, stick around till the very end, we visit with Andrew Garfield, uh, who plays Jeb Pyrie, the um, fictionalized detective in this particular Um, series. So check it out. Listen to this episode of uh, The Cultural Hall. It's from the red carpet of Under the Banner of Heaven. And I'll tell you what, if you like this, if you are interested by what was said, please share this episode on your social media. Tell other people about The Cultural Hall. It is how we're able to do things like this, be invited to things like this, and be able to share things like this episode of The Cultural Hall. Troy Williams. Uh, who, are you, who are you with these days? It, it doesn't matter. Listen, just again the cultural hall, which we still yes, haven't got uh, you in. Oh come on. Okay. All right. Uh, first of all, to the to address the gentleman's question, who is not behind me anymore? How come you look so fabulous? Well, you know, I just I, I needed to show up for you, baby. All right. I knew you were going to be here. Yeah. And so I wanted to do my best to look attractive. How uh, <laughs> how did you get involved in this project? Yeah. This so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Lance Black is an old dear friend of mine, and I was staying with him in London and I invi- NBD yeah, yeah yeah and he invited me to uh, the writer's room actually and we'd be able to started talking about um, you know Joseph Smith and, and Mormon fundamentalism and then what it's also like to experience a faith crisis yeah and then after we had that conversation he said do you want to come on to the show and I'm like yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. I wanted to, to help him to make sure that that the scripts and that the actors everything that's historically theologically culturally accurate and it's everything from, you know, looking at the history, which we'll talk to Lindsay about, 
um, but also making sure that they pronounce it Zion and not Zion. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> so, a quick tell right? whenever something like that happens and <laughs> so, we all go, <sighs> So yeah, so, so we tweak those little things as well. But then also working with uh, Andrew Carfield and taking him to sacrament meeting and help introducing him to bishops and people that are in the church, people that have left the church, so you can get the whole spectrum of the Mormon experience. Almost kind of like being a missionary for the yeah, church. Yeah. Well, I know all these years later, and I'm still sharing the gospel. <laughs> but, you know, this is, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I know a lot of Latter-day Saints are reticent about this show. Sure. Um, and I, I would encourage people, you know, to be fearless in examining. Um, we have to ask ourselves why. Mm-hmm. Why did two men who used to be members of the church, uh, in the name of God, murder their sister and their niece? You know, and I think we have to be willing to examine why that happened so it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, especially as we become more polarized and we see a rise of militias in Utah and people, you know, who are storming the Capitol dressed in Captain Moroni cosplay. Yeah. You know, we have to be willing to ask these questions. What leads a person to violence and conspiracy thinking? Because the Lafferty's began with an anti-government rhetoric got obsessed with conspiracies, and then started receiving revelations that they said came from God. Yeah. So all of these things are linked. And when I uh, came off of my mission and I came to Utah, um, I had all these questions about church history that I couldn't get answers to. And I met a lot of people that were obsessed with conspiracies and the New World Order mm-hmm. and really went down that kind of rabbit hole um, that the Lafferty's went down. Yeah. And so we can see that when people believe that, that they are the voice of God, they can do all kinds of unspeakable, uh, unspeakable things, whether it's murder or, as with Warren Jeffs, um, abusing children. Yeah. You know, so we've got to be able to be willing to interrogate this, look at, at ourselves and look at our history and have an honest conversation about this. I know that a, a lot of people... Yes, representing we say a lot of people right yeah. uh, have expressed like when they yeah. see the some of the visual stuff within it, and they again. just go, oh, come yeah. on! If this were any other faith, people would be up in arms, but the Mormons <laughs> have to take it. Well, you know, I, I mean, I I grew up in in the LDS tradition. My ancestors crossed the plains, camped walked, camped in walked, right, camped in winter quarters, settled in Ogden, fleeing religious persecution. So these are my people. And I love them, and I care about them, and I wanted to make sure that they were portrayed accurately and honestly as well. You know, not to give a glossy, you know, sure. version of history, but to be honest about things. And the, you know, the, the Mormon experience is much larger than the LDS Church. You know, there's many breakoff groups, and they all claim uh, that this restoration heritage as well. Mm-hmm. And so this, I think, will be challenging for some mainstream Latter-day Saints who aren't who aren't really conversant with Mormon fundamentalism and some of their ideas and some of their doctrines. Um, so I, all I can say is that, uh, you know, Dustin Lance Black and, and Andrew Garfield and the whole team really have a lot of love and compassion for Latter-day Saints. This isn't designed to harm or hurt. Sure. This is designed to actually have a, a really difficult conversation. I love it. You know, and so and I hope that, that, that Latter-day Saints are willing to engage that conversation with us. Yeah, yeah. definitely something to gain. Yeah. All right, get out of here. I'm going to talk to Lindsay. Hello, there. Hello, Lindsay Hanson Park, previous guest of the Cultural Hall. How are you? It's so good to see you. Uh, so, I was just visiting with Troy um, for the like the true believing Mormon, right? The true blue. Certainly, they 
have seen some of the things within like previews and trailers and and even just seeing like temple clothes being depicted to some people right people will watch it or they won't watch it but to to those that are maybe on the fence they see that and they go ah maybe i can get past it because there's something to learn what do you think that they can learn if they're able to push pack push past their Discomfort. Yeah, yeah. Their discomfort. I think the discomfort, at least in my experience, is always like a sign that I need to be more curious and look at something. And, and in my own life, that's led me to incredible, you know, paths, pathways. I think if LDS people are strong enough and brave enough to confront the darkness that exists in our culture, and it does exist, uh, it's a gift. That's a gift. And uh, we can transform into a better people a better culture, a better community, and we can prevent stuff like this from happening. I really think the show does a good job of portraying portraying Brenda's family as the good Mormonism, the Mormonism worth fighting for. There are multiple Mormonisms interacting, and I think people are going to be so focused on distancing themselves from fundamentalism, but the disappointing thing for me that I've heard from the Latter-day Saint community and my own friends and family on the show are like, when they watch this or think about this, their first inclination is to distance themselves from fundamentalism, not to be horrified at the horrible murder or the violence. And I think that's backwards. We should do it the other way around. Have the horror, make the distinction, and then see what do we do about it. It's in our own backyard. Was I mean, you're pretty versed, certainly, being it, you know, one of the consultants for the history of everything. Uh, was there anything that you learned, surprised, something that came out that you went, well, I'll be, I didn't know that. There is. I will say, I'm, I like to think I'm a pretty dogged researcher when it comes to fundamentalism. I go into the communities, I've looked through hundreds of hours of papers. But Lance's research on the Lafferty family was so good and so thorough that I learned stuff. We would be watching or screening the script or like a, an episode and I would see something and I was like, that would never happen. That's so unrealistic. And he was like, no, actually, I talked to family and it did happen. Oh. And that's just an example of, you know, if you're a mainstream Latter-day Saint, every Ward's family is different. Everyone has their own culture and fundamentalist families are no different. So everyone has their own culture and their own interpretation of doctrines and theologies. And so that definitely shows up in the show. So there were a few things coming up in the episodes that I was like, that would never happen. But they were, it was real. I, I know you to be, uh, at least I think, I, I guess I know you to be a very soft, very kind-hearted person. Oh, I mean, certainly the power too. But this is a hard story yes. to tell. And I'm assuming that you have seen all of them. And mm -hmm. a hard story to see. You know, as media, we were told, hey, just, just as a heads up, maybe triggering, yeah. maybe a little bit difficult to watch. How how are how has that experience been for you? I I think it's a triggering uh, experience for every single person that interacts with Mormonism. I've talked to scholars who are non-Mormon that study Mormonism, and you know, this is a complicated, heavy subject, and it's in sort of a dark palette. It's in a true crime genre, which was very startling for me to see, even though I'd seen the script and been on set and done all of these things. When I saw it together, I was like, it's so dark, you know, and. It was almost this moment of my first knee jerk was to distance myself, like I like I said. But uh, after I sat with it, I think my discomfort was rooted in I'm not used to seeing myself portrayed in this landscape, you know. And it wasn't not true. It wasn't untrue. It was just uncomfortable. So uh, I definitely think that I had that experience. But I would say, of course, it's triggering. It's this is a hard subject. Of course, it's upsetting to to Mormons. It covers a lot of hard things. It asks hard questions. It takes uh, sometimes a really hard look at certain topics that we all have a collective historical shame about. So of course, we would be upset. 
Uh, one last question. How cool was it? I mean, just I mean, it's just us girls. Let's talk about how just how cool it was to be so working on this project. It, it is a real story, and it's it's the murder of a, of a woman whose family is still around and has to live with the impact of this, and people that knew the families. And so I've always been conscious of that. But from the Mormon historical nerd in me, to be able to go and recreate Carthage Jail and the massacre site and all of these things that I have studied for a decade now was an experience of a lifetime. I can't even explain how remarkable it was, you know, to be in Carthage interacting and helping block and stage the actors as they portray some of the biggest events in our history. That was unbelievable. Has it opened any windows for you for future stuff that you can talk about? Not that I can talk about, but yes, I've got many projects I'm working on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Can you come in later? Of course. Tyner, who plays Emma Smith, uh, I think that it's a, a fascinating look at faith just in general, what faith can drive us to do, what faith can drive us to not do, to look beyond playing for many one of the most pivotal uh, characters, we can call it that, within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, coming into that to, into that scenario, knowing how it ends for her, for her husband, and, and all of those things. I mean, what... What what do you focus on in a in a project like this to bring that to light? That's such an interesting question because you know we have to do all the research, right, to feel prepared to do a character and a person like this justice. So it was a lot about consuming as much as I could, as much just historical facts and records and whatnot, uh, like, like Mormon Enigma and, and talking to the consultants on the show um, um, under the banner of heaven, of course. Um, but it, at some point, you kind of have to let that go um, and just deal with the emotional journey of the character. And so I really, um, I tried to tap into that when I was on set and that in preparation. And for me, that was grief. Uh, I feel that there were these levels to Emma. There was this wonderful love she had for her husband, for her community um, that they had built for this religion that they had built together and um, as it started to get changed and a bit taken away from her um, all of it um, there was so much grief there and she had to fight for it and uh, I think she acted with such integrity Um, I think that I, I kind of, I was like, as I was experiencing this, I was just like a puddle. I mean, I was a mess for weeks, just crying and crying because it almost felt like I was tapping into some sort of collective grief, perhaps, of women who may have suffered like her all around the world and all of time under extremism or oppression. And because, um, you know, I don't want to say anything um, too controversial, but it felt like that's what she was going through and fighting against at the time. Um And, you know, it took me um, just sort of clawing my way out of that grief to find the strength that she actually acted with, you know, Um, and to just pretend to be her, right? So, I mean, it was, uh, I was so inspired by her. I felt like I learned a big lesson that, like, no matter what we're feeling, we do the right thing. And that feels like such a huge contrast to what Brittany Nunn and Joseph Smith were doing at the time. Um, you know, that's based on my research. Sure. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, she really embodied um, integrity to me. It's a symbol for strength for a lot of uh, LDS women, right? Oh, yeah. That she was able to make it through the not only the leaving behind of her parents, not speaking to them after she was married, and 
to Joseph and then the loss of Joseph and then everyone within the church and her family leaving and heading west and she's stuck behind with the main part of her family. It also seems almost to be uh, like a similitude of the modern story of the Lafferty's and the strength and, and everything like that. It's it almost mirror. seems like the same story. Yeah, and, and she she challenged Joseph and Brigham and the men, just like Brenda does, you know? So, um, you know, she, she, she fought back. She used her voice. She stood up to them. And uh, there was a different outcome for her, um, for Brenda, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's a beautiful thing to get to hear the, the female voices of Mormonism in this show. One last question. Uh, I know that um, several people within the cast said that they got the opportunity to go into worship with other, uh, you know, members of the church or the mm -hmm. uh, fundamentalist members as well. Did you take that opportunity and what did you think? I, yeah, I, um, so I visited after filming, I actually visited, um, uh, Troy and Lindsay out here and they took me on a bit of a tour of, of Utah. We went to the temple. Um, uh, we went down to Colorado city as well. Um, I, I went to church, uh, and the ladies relief society yesterday. Um, and, and really just, I was so struck by these women in the ladies relief society and how they supported each other and listened to each other and their vulnerability and sharing, um, it was it was really meaningful and so cool that they let me be a part of it yesterday. So, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. What's up? Right. Uh, well, BYU, BYU, there's some really interesting and exciting things going on there. I'm really yeah. proud of some of the student body for the ways they're standing up and asking questions. Opening uh, up and being able to represent themselves. Brenda, right, Lafferty. This show is about. She is my reason. She's my motivation. She's my inspiration was courageous enough to be curious in a time then that was very dangerous. She went to BYU. She was on television at BYU. You know, her dream was to be able to do the same sorts of things that the boys were doing. Right. And, uh, and a lot of people said, no, no, no. And she was courageous enough to ask the question, why? And sadly, it, it, she lost her life in that pursuit of challenging the status quo. Um, and we're here to honor that. Something that I'm curious about is, you know, obviously Krakauer wrote the book, but you have been such a driving force behind it. I heard someone call it, it was your mission, you know, that you that you were called, you know, to do this, to bring this to light, to bring this to the people who don't know about the Lafferty's, who don't know, you know about the, the underbelly of the, of the FLDS or, you know, any of those kind of things. What was it about... Brenda, or about this particular story, or about the book that that made you not let go and keep pushing? Because a decade is a long time. Because I was I was raised by a very strong, incredibly faithful Mormon mom, and I think she raised me right. And uh, she was a single parent, paralyzed, and raised three boys by herself. And I started to ask questions at a certain point. Why was she being treated as less than whole? Because she was a woman. It didn't make sense to me. I knew she was uh, smarter than the specific men who were running our ward. Uh, stronger, kinder. And, uh, and when I started asking questions of why she was treated uh, less than for her differences, um, I got in trouble for asking questions. And, and so I decided to do what Brenda did. I, I said, I'm not going to stop asking questions. I think it's the questions that serve as light. You know, the, 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 there's so much good in Mormonism. There's so much good in the culture of Mormonism and the families 
that are created in the communities and the neighborhoods. But there are still things from the past that have been carried into today that cause harm and limit our ability to become our full whole selves in this human experience on this planet. You know, let's stop limiting. Let's start, stop harming our brothers and sisters. And the way you do that is ask questions. You shed the light. You let it into the dark corners so we can see where the problems live. And once we see it, well, Mormonism claims to be an ever-changing church. Then we'll know what needs to be changed. So I'm here because I was raised by a strong mom who asked questions, who taught me to ask questions, and I was inspired to do this by Brenda Wright Lafferty, who gave her life in the pursuit of asking questions. Were there questions that were answered for you that hadn't been answered just from reading the book? It wasn't answered until you were able to see it replayed. I think, you know, I didn't get... John Krakauer's book started answering many of my questions, but I'm more curious than to take any one book at face value. So I, I pursued the criticisms that the church had of the book to look into those, and then I asked more questions. And I had to do that to build a series. I needed, I needed to know more to build this seven and a half hours and, and have it feel full and alive. Uh, and in that, yes, I learned things I never knew. Uh, like what? There were like, things that were very inspiring. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's incredibly romantic that this young boy, really, this teen, fell in love and created this religion that was born of love. Uh, you know, we can talk about where that comes from and and his attachments to things like magic, but it felt like magic. And, and there was something quite sweet about it. And putting it into the context of the time, it was actually pretty progressive faith. Mm-hmm. No. Is it coming out of Calvinism, where everybody is predestined, you know, to say that we're all born good? Yeah. Amazing. How hopeful. What happened to that? When did all that hope and love get replaced with judgment and fear of the outside and, and the fear of questions and pressure? You know, I know the church stepped, you know, went astray here there, in my opinion. And I think in a lot of active Mormon today's opinions. That's all right. We make mistakes. You say, I'm sorry. You change the rules. You know, if it's the Holy Spirit you listen to, listen closer. Because I don't think they want, I don't think Heavenly Father wants half the population treated as inferior because of their gender. Let's listen closer. Many different roles with the project, you know, from showrunner to you directed one of the episodes and, you know, the research and all that. What was the hardest for you? in the whole project and why well i mean the most challenging thing to do in the project was to shoot uh july 1984 in calgary in negative 28 degrees celsius weather yeah. uh, you know the, the the production challenges were massive this is really three stories in one it's an investigation story over 10 days it's uh, uh you know 1979 to 84 in the lafferty story and then uh, some of the stories of the early days of the church in the 19th century so having to do all that at the same time is a lot for a showrunner. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, too interesting for a lot of people who I don't think realize that uh, you know part of the series will be Joseph Smith and also yeah. Emma Smith as well. Those are characters that within Mormonism we know what they what they look like, whether or not they really look like that. How how did you know when you had the right one and the right look and the right you know feel for those characters? I mean, the good news is we have uh, some photographs of Emma and, and of Brigham and, and a few of the 
uh, you know, the later uh, prophets um, who we depict. So we were able to get as close as possible to that. But then I, I, I said time and again, uh, I, I am perfectly happy to match the, the Mormon narrative, the LDS narrative about who these people were and what they looked like. Um, and so we just, we, we worked from our own research, but also weren't afraid to lean into the church's belief on that sort of stuff. I appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. Oh, good. Richie, Sam Worthington, who plays Ron Lafferty. Uh, what I love about, um, this particular project is that you can go to the places and see the people that have been affected. Do you love that, or is that intimidating? What kind of respect do you pay to those people that that well, you run into? Hopefully, you're paying respect with the sensitivity of how you handle the material. I think because it is a true story. Hopefully, we're you know honoring the memory of Brenda and her child, and handling this whole situation with a level of grace because it is intimidating that there's still victims out there in the sense of her family. Um, so hopefully that's, we've handled the whole story with some delicacy. It's a level of grace, but from the little bit that I've been able to see, like it is so well done and sociopathic and psychopathic and just um, what un unresting. It's, you do an amazing job at that. How do you separate then portraying it accurately to who this person was, knowing that the depiction that you're putting forth on the screen could could affect those people that were affected by the actual Lafferty brothers. Yeah, it's a tough situation because my approach to it has to be one of honesty and to try and find a, a way in. And if I'm playing it as a mustache-twirling bad guy or a man that's going crazy, then it almost sensationalizes the reality, and that's wrong. Then we're exploiting the story. So I just try and find the truth of a man that was uh, a character that whose faith was dismantling, and the touchstones of what he wanted to hang on to. And um, hopefully, by portraying that, then the way it's written actually helps helps show the flip side without me having to show that you know, and, and present the evil. For a lot of people in Utah, this is a story that they already knew about, were aware of. Uh, when you first heard about the whole story with the Lafferty brothers, what what did you think? I'd read the book years ago. I did a crack hour, I wrote a book about Everest, but I did a movie of that. So I was open to his work years ago. So I'd read it years ago. So when it was, when I got told they were doing it, it was more a case of well, how are you going to condense such a, uh, a dense nonfiction book into something that is... You know, fictional, as I said, without sensationalizing it. Um, I think that's what Lance has handled. It took him 10 years to try and piece this thing together. That's a, a long time. I think the long-form aspect of it helps, kind of helps you allow you to dig deeper into the truths of what happened rather than it just being a, a procedural show. Is there a, a particular part of faith that is intriguing to you because of this project? Well, I think the you know the show is is showing how people can turn faith for their own means and manipulate it, and that's happened throughout religion for hundreds of years in some aspect. So, you know, if anything, it's a cautionary tale towards that. Yeah. How about the cast? It seems like it's just a rock star group of people that <laughs> put together just a tremendous project. Yeah, I've worked with Andrew before, so anything that man does is quality. Um, 
So I just begged him for a job, to be honest. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I appreciate your time. For my... How are you? Hi, Andrew Garfield, uh, Richie. How's it going? So good. good. I am fascinated by the journey that you have taken in uh, researching this role, going to church, and in all of the things that you know has been kind of reported as this has been coming out. What is the thing that has surprised you the very most? Kind of being absorbed into that uh, a thing that you know, for all intents and purposes, maybe you didn't know too much about before. Yeah, well, I didn't. I don't know about surprising, but I was heartened and excited to meet a lot of people in this community, in the LDS community, or ex-members of the LDS faith, and the kind of the the, the beauty of the people that I've met, and the kind of warmth and openness and generosity and, and kindness of the people that I've met. I wouldn't say it's been surprising, but I would say it's been very welcomed and, and kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, heartening and reassuring. You know, all eyes are on you, for sure, after the success of so many other projects before this. What do you think that being a part of this and being able to have such an amazing cast but be able to tell such a difficult story, what did you bring to that? Oh, I don't know what I brought to it. I always bring my full heart and my passion i can't go to work unless i feel very passionate about the story and this is a book that i loved when it first came out 10 12 years ago now so i've i've felt kind of ripe with it even though it's been kind of in my unconscious now obviously for the last however long and then the the adaptation that lance kind of created just really felt very very inspiring to me and he kind of cracked a way of telling it dramatically through a visual medium um so i i i I don't know about what I what I bring apart from you know my you know all of my care and my my heart. Uh, why am I so overdressed compared to you? Because <laughs> I I don't know. I just figured I was going to go casual. I really blew it. Um, <laughs> you, you look like you're ready for the temple. You should go get to, get to service. We can try and get you in. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to, um, I, I guess for. The way that I would describe it as being able to be the eyes for the yeah. way that people are able to experience this story. Yeah. Boy, it is not. It is not a comedy. It is not. No. It is not anything that is light no. at all. In such such a heavy, tragic, horrible story, a scar not only on on the faith communities but yeah. on the state of Utah as well. Yeah. How, how do you how do you delicately handle that that pivotal role of, of being able to to show that to folks. Well, I think that's the character that I'm playing as well, is that he's in that exact position where he has a loyalty to his church. He has a loyalty to his family. and But what starts to emerge as the most powerful kind of pull that he has and the most powerful lo loyalty that he has is to the truth and is to his duty as a, as a detective. But mostly his duty to Brenda Wright-Lafferty and Erica Wright-Lafferty um, because, you know, to honor the horrific, you know, to honor this horrific loss and this these terrible murders feels like the most important thing to do in the, in the cluster of all of these things that are pulling on him. So I think that being the North Star is kind of everything. Um, otherwise... And everything has to follow that, you know, and 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 that's going to be, you know, that and and that is going to be at the, um, it's going to undermine his ability to be loyal to a church that, in his experience, is attempting to sweep things under the rug, 
can't he can't subscribe to that. He can't go along with that. He just can't. At the end of a day of filming, is it hard for you to leave something like this behind, or are you no, able to place with, it? With this, I, I, I got very, very good very, very quickly at just shaking it off and just kind of going back to being a person and, and not not in that way. Is it because it's a yeah, it is a toxic underworld that the, that the character goes into in order to to do his duty and to do his job. So yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat on the back.